SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Manukora Honey. Merriam-Webster defines honey as a sweet, viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees. And that's all good and fine, but old Miriam and Webster (laughs) used some words that I don't know and didn't really hit the mark when it comes to talking about Manukora honey. First off, Manukora isn't just sweet and viscid. It's got a rich, complex taste and a creamy, melt-in-your-mouth texture that you won't find in your average, everyday grocery store honey. And nectar of flowers doesn't cut it when you're talking about the nectar of the Manuka tea tree in New Zealand. The only nectar these bees feed on in the production of Manukora honey. In conclusion, Manukora ain't just your average boring dictionary defined honey. It's special honey. I know this firsthand. Uh, they sent us a jar, a squeeze bottle, and some honey sticks. And we've been sharing them around the office of their MGO 850 Plus, their best selling honey. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not <laughs> what you're thinking of when you think of honey. Look, have you ever think to yourself, if like, a company made grapes for the first time, we'd go nuts. It's, I feel like honey is this way, where I'm like, if anybody like made this up, we'd be going out of our minds. But this is like if honey happened again. Did you like the honey, Sari? So I moved into a new place where there's no insulation in the walls. And so uh, I've been drinking a lot of tea. And mm-hmm. sometimes that tea needs a little bit of honey. And I initially poured in this honey thinking it was going to be grocery store honey. And then I was like, that's different. And now it's a little uh, breakfast treat. It's a great breakfast treat because it's 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 a little like it's for toast. I could put like this on my butter toast and I'm like, oh, I'm having an experience. So Merriam-Webster also defines ultimate as the best or most extreme of its kind. Now that one fits Manukora to a T. Indulge in the best or most extreme sweet viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees from Manukora. If you head to manukora.com slash tangents, you can get $25 off their starter kit, which comes with the MG850 Plus Manuka Honey, a free travel pack of honey sticks, a free wooden spoon, and also a free guidebook. That's M-A-N-U-K-O-R-A dot com slash tangents to get $25 off your starter kit. Welcome to SciShow Tangents, the lightly competitive knowledge showcase starring some of the geniuses that make SciShow happen on YouTube. Today, joining us, as always, are producer Stefan Chin. What's your tagline? Uh, ooh, Jimmy Wiggle. <laughs> We've also Gross. got Sam Schultz, artist and media mer- merson, which is like a mer person. Oh, cool. What's it your tagline? Be, it would be really hard to be a media person underwater. Uh, you know, they got to have <laughs> Uh, underwater media too yeah, for the well, whales yeah that's true and, <laughs> the, other, and those, the other meeple those podcasts yeah for a funny joke yeah <laughs> well Thanks. anyway What's my tagline? tagline is I wish Detective Pikachu was my dad <laughs> <laughs> we're also joined by uh, writer and editor Sari Riley hello How's it going? What's your tagline? Uh, Gel pen enthusiast. Very good. And I'm Hank Green. Purple is my favorite crayon. But not your favorite color? I don't have a favorite color. What makes a purple different from other crayons that doesn't involve the fact that it's purple? Are you eating these crayons? (laughs) It's the crunch. Is it the grape flavored? (laughs) Yeah. 
It's the crunch. They just got a better crunch. I can't explain it. Every week here on Star Show Tangents, we're just going to move on as fast as possible. We get together and try to one-up a maze and delight each other with science facts. We're playing for glory, but we are also playing for Hank Bucks, which are awarded for good facts and good poems and good etceteras. We do everything we can to stay on topic, but judging by the title of the podcast, sometimes we uh, go on tangents. So if somebody wants to go on a tangent, they can, but then we have to decide whether it was worth it, and if not, you have to give us a Hank Buck. Now, as always, we're going to introduce the topic with the traditional science poem this week from Sam Schultz. All right, so here's my poem. It's a little weird. Bear with me, all right? It's kind of stream of consciousness. All right, I like it. Okay. When I'm being very good, I wake up early and go to the gym. I make time after work to take a walk. I jog if it's not too cold out. I try my best to keep this up, but work gets tough, or there are fun things to do, and I stop being very good. Then I get tired. I run out of breath more. Then the guilt sets in. I'm not getting any younger. I have to think about my heart. I guess I need to buckle down, pack a healthy lunch, sacrifice a few hours every week, and get back on track. Meanwhile, my cat sleeps 17 hours a day and can jump eight feet in the air. That's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> that felt like a diary entry. Yeah. Or I don't know a lot about exercising, so <laughs> I was trying my best. Which is our topic today, exercise, which as far as I can tell, uh, to step on Sarah's toes a little bit here, I'm going to try to explain what exercise is mm. scientifically. It's when you move around a lot with the in- express goal of health. Yeah, I think Ooh, that's like it. Me? I don't know. Do you have to have the uh, goal health? of health? Yeah, or I don't like, know. Can I exercise without wanting to get healthier? Because like, does going to go like to the hip hop dance club um, and I like burn a bunch of calories, is that exercise or is that just dancing? Or if I'm going with the express purpose of making my muscles bigger, but I don't care if I'm healthier. <laughs> Whoa. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah, because it, do- it doesn't have to be about health. It yeah. can also just be about... Aesthetics, baby. <laughs> <laughs> How are your muscles doing, Stefan? Uh, they're atrophied. <laughs> <laughs> but if anybody here, you probably do like the most thinking about lifting and stuff I do think about lifting a lot (laughs) yeah and Stefan has of us has definitely weight trained the most that's fair I don't know that for sure oh I know that for sure okay (laughs) (laughs) we we did a quick spot check everyone agrees (laughs) Caitlin sit in the corner you ever done a bunch of deadlifts I don't know what that is is a deadlift a thing yeah good I I knew a name of an exercise (laughs) yeah It's just picking up a heavy weight off the floor. Sort of like if you're like Uh, lifting a couch. Or a dead person. Well, sure. Uh. Caitlin has written down in the show notes here, when you move around with a lot of, when you move around a lot with the goal of health and then she's strike through with the goal of health. (laughs) So exercise is when you move around a lot. (laughs) I sort of think it involves like, there's some sort of physical adaptation from the motion. Like if I'm just wiggling my arm a bunch, Like there's motion, but it's not really exercise unless that results in like an increased cardiovascular fitness. Sure. Because I did so much wiggling. I'm exercising. Thanks for making the motion of a shake weight. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that. Very kind description. <laughs> I mean, am I, I think I increased my heart rate just there. Who has done this topic to us? <laughs> yeah. Why? It's Stefan. Stefan has done this topic to us. Well, thanks, Stefan. Which is why we're about to turn to you for... 
So Stefan has prepared three science facts for our education and enjoyment, but only one of them is real. The other two are lies, and the rest of us have to figure out which one is the true one, either by deduction or wild guess. And if we do, we get a Hank Buck. And if Stefan fools us, you get the Hank Buck. I'm ready to be rolling in bucks. It's only going to be three max. That's a lot on this show. Almost as many as you can get, though. Yeah. Like, if you get all three... Everybody else is screwed. I think the top score you can get is four. No. No. It isn't. I got four one episode. Yeah, that was for cheating reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Hank gave you an extra one. I know, but Hank can give out bucks wherever he oh, wants. So. That's our Hank bucks. That's Infinite. True. I'd yeah. like to give one to Sam for his poem. Thanks. Oh. And I'd like to give one to Caitlin because she never gets any. Oh. <laughs> How nice. And I'm going to give one to Elise, who's listening. Oh, oh, hello, Elise. Congratulations, Elise. Have a Hank Buck. <laughs> you didn't have to work really hard for it or anything. <laughs> All right, Stephen, what's All right. your facts? Fact number one. There's a genetic condition called myostatin-related muscle hypertrophy that results in low body fat levels and up to double the muscle mass of normal humans. So there are no known effects of the condition other than that. Mm. And how strong and muscular you are depends on how many copies of the mutated gene you have. <gasps> Ooh. Number two. Changing your habits to exercise more leads to an increased blood volume in the body. But this increased volume also stretches out your blood vessels slightly, including the ones near the surface of the skin, so you end up losing more body heat to the environment. Oh, weird. Number three. A study of patients who were following aerobic exercise programs lasting anywhere from three months to two years found that those programs caused the production of new brain cells in the hippocampus. Those all sound totally plausible. So we've got a genetic condition that gives you all beefy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's called hypertrophy or something like that. Hypertrophy is how I say it. I hear people say hypertrophy too. I feel like that must be the truth then because you've you've heard it said multiple ways. Well, that's just like if you're getting swole, like you're looking for muscle hypertrophy. Like that's Uh, a common term uh, in in bodybuilding. Instead of saying getting swole, they have a technical (laughs) term for swole. It's not like their term. It's like a... Sure, sure. <laughs> this is okay. like the one thing Sorry. where I can't. Like, Stefan knows more science words than I do. And it's incredibly uncomfortable. <laughs> so that's the first one. Hypertrophy. Beefy condition. The second one is uh, exercise leads to increased blood volume and your blood vessels stretch out and make you cold. And the third one is if you uh, do aerobics for a bunch of months, you can get new brain cells in your hippocampus. Yep. What's the hippocampus do? So you have two hippocampi. Uh-huh. I do? Yeah. They're, they're on either side of your brain. The details of what it does are hotly debated, uh-huh. but it seems important for consolidating memory uh-huh. and possibly for like spatial awareness, like knowing where you are in relation to other things. Sure. Yeah, it's deep in there. It's one of the deep in ones. Mm-hmm. You uh, sure you have two? Yeah, oh. it looks like a two. Looks like a two. Whoop, whoop. I know nothing. This is the episode where I know nothing. <laughs> I was it gonna like, say it looks like a lo- like a weird skinny lobster claw on your brain. I was gonna say I was gonna like draft off of Sari's answer for this and just copy it, but. Mm. Mm-mm. She doesn't seem to know anything. <laughs> okay. The one thing that I do know is I've seen pictures of small children with extreme cool. ripped. muscles, like yeah, yeah, ripped yeah. tiny oh. children. Yeah. And I think they might have this muscle. Or like the dogs disorder. that have a bunch of muscles. Or the cows yeah. that have a bunch of muscles. Yeah, have you yeah. seen those? Those beefy mm-hmm. beefs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a real thing, but yeah. But the thing that I don't know is multiple copies of the gene right. make you beefier. Making you beefier. Yeah. That's the part that would be a lie. Right. If I was making it into a lie. It also seems unlikely. Yeah. And then changing habits leads to increased blood volume, but your blood vessels stretch out and it makes you get cold faster. I know that 
exercise does increase, I think that it like increases long-term blood volume. And that's why sometimes people will dope by putting extra blood into them. Mm -hmm. This is a great fact that I ended up not using. When like runners run, like their blood cycles through much more quickly uh, and they have to make more new blood cells because their blood cells are breaking down. And everyone's like, why? And it turns out it's because you squish them in your feet. Oh, yeah. You're I like jumping that. on your feet over and over again. And it squishes all your blood vessels and breaks them. Killing and you got to replace them. I'm going to go with number two. Number two? Yeah, I have a good gut feeling extra, about that one. Extra blood? Uh-huh. I'm going to go with number three, that you get new brain cells. Because I always feel like we're getting... Even though it's really weird to get new brain cells, and I don't know what, anything about the hippocampus, mm-hmm. I'm going to go with number three. I'm going to go with number one because of the beefy children. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number one was the real one. Oh! Man. Yeah, it's very similar to the Belgian blue cattle, but those cattle only have 20% more muscle. And apparently in humans, you can get up to double the muscle. Hmm. Uh, And it does depend on how many copies you get. I think this is conjecture on my part, but I think because the mutation in the gene uh, makes you produce less myostatin, which inhibits muscle growth. Like if you have two copies, it inhibits it. More effectively, and then you have even less. Mm. So this is not something you could induce in yourself. Somehow. No, there are apparently some Chinese researchers who are doing it to beagles, beagles oh. to make muscular beagles. That's what I've always wanted. <laughs> yeah, a strong, beagle. a real beefy beagle. Oh, I want one that I want that one that can lift up a manhole cover. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask why. <laughs> it's weird though to me because they want to use the beagles to like as a model. They're trying to figure out like. Uh, treatments for Parkinson's. Oh, okay. Hmm. So like a disease model. Yeah. Why are beagles always the thing that get experimented on as far as dogs go? Because they're really like soft and cute and calm. So like, I don't know. I grew up with a beagle, so anecdotal evidence, but they're just super sleepy all the time and really trusting of humans. Of the hounds, they're just... Oh. I don't know, soft and sweet. And so if you experiment on them, they're more likely to be okay with being poked and prodded and stuffed in cages and things they like that. They were soft and sweet until we gave them bunches and bunches of muscle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now they're hard and smart. <laughs> just like Still Detective really Pikachu. Yeah, just like him. Wait, how is Detective Pikachu hard and smart? Because he's hard from life on, like living on the streets and seeing stuff. And he's smart because he's talking, he's Pikachu. <laughs> and he solves crimes. Oh, that's sad. I grew up with a beagle too, and he never did anything. Yeah. I could have like I could have injected him with anything I wanted to, and he would have been okay with it. So, what are the other ones based? So, so, physical activity does increase blood volume, uh, and um, a lot of that comes from increased plasma volume. Mm-hmm. And plasma is mostly water, and so they think what's happening is that uh, it's basically increase the body's increasing its water retention, um, and that's being stored in the blood plasma basically so that so you have this long term like increase in your total body water and that increases your body's ability to sweat more oh, effectively okay so it does involve cooling mm-hmm. but it's Helps not blood cool vessels off. it's that your body's yeah. like i can now work harder i better be able to cool myself more cool huh. a smart body yeah thanks body and then the third one exercise does increase the size of the hippocampus in mice and rats but does not seem to do that in humans so they found that aerobic exercise programs helped retain the size of the left hippocampus and so it seems like it's just helping prevent like the deterioration of the brain that happens with age right hmm. but only in the left one i don't know <laughs> it's weird <laughs> uh probably a pretty small study uh, would be my guess. This was a, a meta-analysis. Oh, wow. Uh, so they were looking at, I think, 
I think it was 12 other studies. Okay. There's nothing we understand about the brain and it, aging and things like that. That's like a yeah. combination of all the things we have yeah. big question marks about. Mm-hmm. All right, well, you got one point, right? Got no, one. you got two, two points. You got two, two points because I, I fooled two of you fools. Yeah, yeah. And Sarah got I one. got one. I'm Nicely catching done. up. Nicely done. There's not an infinite supply of Hank Bucks, you people. So we got to go get some more. Let's play an ad. Slasher Tangents is brought to you by Rocket Money, a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. I said it before, and I'll say it again. It's a subscription-based world out there. Video games, art-making programs, food delivery services, these things, they all have dang subscription services to subscribe to. And I don't want to cast aspersions? Dispersions? Aspersions. One of those. But... It does seem like part of the subscription uh, business model is to get you to subscribe to something and then hope that you lose track of everything you subscribe to and just keep forking out 10 bucks a month until the sun mm-hmm. burns out. And you know yeah. what? That's actually a pretty good idea on their part, but it's not such a good idea for your wallet. Your money is like a bean. <laughs> <laughs> you want to plant it in fertile soil. You don't want people carving off pieces of your bean all the time. Yeah, that yeah. bean's not going to grow if, there, if there's, there's a constant drain on the on bean. The bean. Yeah. That <laughs> is where Rocket Money comes in. With Rocket Money, you can see all your subscriptions in one place, decide what you do and don't want, and cancel things with just a tap. Rocket Money will even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money. And beyond I mean, beans and beyond subscription canceling <laughs> rocket money helps you build budgets, track your spending and more. There's all kinds of ways to take care of those beans. So they grow into a nice big bean plant. It has over 5 million users and ha- it helps save members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. What would you do with 720 beans? I'd buy more beans. <laughs> <laughs> Different kind of bean, I guess. A cheaper, beans, more yeah. of a cheaper type you of bean. You buy cheaper beans with your expensive beans. <laughs> yeah, until I had an infinite amount of the cheapest bean you could possibly have. <laughs> Subscription <laughs> companies hate this one simple trick because you figured out their plot. And now you can use you- that money for beans instead. Stop wasting <laughs> money on things you don't use and start using money on things like beans. Cancel your <laughs> unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S. And we're back. I have zero Hank Bucks. Sarah has one. Sam has one. And Stefan is in the lead with two. Two. The thing is, I feel like doing the uh, truth or fail gives you a higher than average chance to get more Mm -hmm. Hank Bucks. But it's also the most work. Of yeah. all of the things, in my experience, yeah. I think that's true. I've I run these numbers in my head when I'm in the shower. Sometimes yeah. I try to think of like what the best way to win completely is. But sweeping the Hank, uh, sweeping the truth or fail thing is pretty hard, right? Yeah, right? sweeping it's hard, but you ha- you have access to more points than anyone else. Yeah. Yes, 
So it all bounces on the end. Perfect game design by me. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely didn't just the, think of yeah. it off the top of my head. Yeah, the more important thing is like whenever I do Truth or Fail, I like have to set an hour of my day over to like that. It must be so nice to have all this background science knowledge that you can draw <laughs> yeah. from that it only takes you an hour. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's hard when you went to art school. I don't know what to search at all. Now it's time for the fact off. Two of our panelists have brought science facts to present to the others in an attempt to blow their minds. The people who are being presented to each have a Hank Buck to award to the fact that they like the most. <laughs> However, if you hate both of the facts, you could just throw your Hank Buck away. It's going to be Hank versus Sari. What? And we're going to decide who goes first with one of the traditional feats of physical uh, skill. Oh my God. Thumb war. Oh. <laughs> okay. One, two, two three, four. four. I, I declare, declare thumb, thumb war. war. Uh, oh, no. Oh, oh, my thumb's pretty oh, big. Your thumb is bigger than your mine. Thumb <laughs> your thumb oh. is huge. <laughs> my thumb is not huge. Oh, it's I way also, bigger than Sari's thumb. No, it's I don't know. Fine it's a fine-sized well, thumb. It's about... Sari's thumb is pretty It's small. pretty small. Yeah. yeah. I feel like my hands are... Your hands are maybe just big. I don't know. Your hands are cold, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I have really bad circulation. They're like, <laughs> like clammy and cold. Yeah, yeah. It felt oh. like uh, like outside Play-Doh. Cool. <laughs> Please it never also do- seems like you panicked partway through the thumb war. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Sorry, I was like, I'd like for this to end now. Because <laughs> no. I'm super self-conscious about my cold, clammy hands. And so thumb war is like oh. the worst possible. Well, I'm sorry about calling you outside Play-Doh. Oh, no, that's totally fine. Yeah, like, you're not self-conscious at all. <laughs> <laughs> it was really bad in middle school okay. when I like, held someone's hand for the first time and they were like, oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) And now as an adult, as a grown-ass woman, I'm like more okay with it. You're more okay with it. Still self-conscious. Not totally okay with it, though. Not totally okay, but more okay. (laughs) So I think that means that you get to decide if you want to go first or second. No, I think it means I go first. Okay. I won the Mm. thumb war. I mean, it was mostly a psychological battle, I feel like. uh, Which you also won. Yeah, Yeah, fair and square. (laughs) All right, everybody. I mean, by which I mean Sam and Stefan, are you ready? Some researchers were sitting around one day and they thought to themselves, Hey, what, what what if we like immobilized people's wrists and hands for four weeks? <laughs> like just put them into some braces so they couldn't move one of their hands. Uh-huh. And uh, and then they were like, but okay, what if we told uh, one group of people who had immobilized hands to just go about their business and live life with an immobilized hand? But we took another group of people and we told them, to, yeah, do that. But also five days a week for eleven minutes a day, sit completely still and imagine moving your wrist and hand around. Just think about that. Imagine the exercise. Imagine moving your wrist and flexing your fingers. That was their experimental design. They did it, and they measured people's strength before and after this thing that they did. And the people who imagined exercising their hands were two times stronger after the immobilization than the people who hadn't imagined anything. Were they stronger than they were before they got there? No. Okay. <laughs> Darn. They were, they were weaker than they were before they got their, their oh, hands. So it just like prevented them from losing as much. As much. Okay. Having had a cast, it does make sense because like the moment your cast comes off, it's just like like you just feel like a noodle. You can't even like you can't even like make a fist. Uh-huh. And it's not because your muscles have atrophied, it's because like all of the connections are just not well established anymore and you yeah. have to reemphasize mm. them. It also makes sense for me from the fact that like 
I, when I first started working out, I like went from being able to do two push-ups to being able to do 20 push-ups in like two weeks. And then I went from being able to do like 20 push-ups to 25 push-ups in a month mm-hmm. because I could, like I had the strength to do those push-ups already. I just didn't know how to coordinate all of my muscle movements uh, yeah. to correctly like do a push-up and feel good about it. I wish you could sit and imagine yourself stronger and be I stronger. Know. It'd be good if you could imagine yourself stronger, but you can imagine yourself less weak. <laughs> <laughs> That's a motivational quote yeah. if I ever heard one. <laughs> when you get a cast, I've never had a cast before. When you get a cast, do they tell you to do stuff like this? No, no. I mean, not when I was a little kid getting casts all the time. All right, that was my fact, everybody. That's all I got. I should be more, I should pump it up. That's my fact. It was amazing. <laughs> now it's Sari's turn. <laughs> so humans have things like weights and pull-up bars and treadmills for exercise, but for rodents, the classic exercise machine is a wheel. And there's a big debate about, their, about whether it's stereotypic behavior. And that's not like, ah, oh, classic mass running on a wheel again. <laughs> uh, it's defined as repetitive, not natural, and not serving a purpose. So basically, scientists are worried that wheels aren't keeping rodents happy and enriched and behaving mostly normally. Mm. So they wanted to test this, uh, whether wild animals would run on wheels to see if it's a stereotypic behavior or not. There was one study in 2014 from researchers in the Netherlands who set up wheels for about three years in urban and semi-urban settings. They set out food for, as bait for a while, and then they took it away. And across all the conditions, they found that over a thousand instances of animals running, they were mostly mice, but also shrews, Rats, slugs, which is hilarious, frogs, <laughs> and snails. And there are videos of all this, like what? a little slug on a wheel. So they concluded that running on a wheel for exercise is natural, but a preprint released this year, just like a month or two ago, or in 2018, a month or two ago, replicated the experiment in Par- Paraguay, and uh, they didn't find the same thing. Ooh. Like only two animals over the course of a year ran. So Wait, jury's where out. The, where were the first ones set up? Netherlands. Oh, so maybe just like Dutch rodents are like bored. <laughs> Those northern snails. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, it's not that natural because we had to invent the wheels. Well, not, yeah. First, but right? like it's not a destructive behavior. It's not yeah. like a mm-hmm. bad sign. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. They'll do it in nature if given the opportunity. That makes sense. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I think they were worried that it was just a behavior like gnawing on cage bars or something is an example of a stereotypic behavior where captive mice or something right. are really anxious or really stressed out by their environment. And so they're reacting in a completely wild or stressed out way. Okay. Right. Or just like a stereotyping can also be like back and forth and back and forth and in front of the cage, like wearing out a pattern and mm. just doing that over and over again and not exploring any other enrichments. Slugs, though. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Good, like they just end up there. The the thousand animals is a little bit generous, it seems like. But yeah. the slug was on the wheel. And so I don't want to put value on that. I think that's why the criticism studies have come out, because other scientists are skeptical of what counts as running on a wheel. So like if a slug happened to happened on upon a wheel, is that actually a behavioral choice that mm-hmm. it's making, or is it just this ended up in this environment. So do they think that maybe they faked the animals getting in the wheels or what happened? No, they don't think that they faked it. They think it has to do with the urbanness of the environment, possibly. Uh, so the Nether- in the Netherlands, they put one, I think, right within a city and one that was semi-urban, mm-hmm. but still close enough by that mm-hmm. the animals probably have interacted with man-made objects before. But yeah. in Paraguay, they put them deep in different Mm. forest ecosystems. And so when opossums and mice 
approached the object. They weren't exactly sure how to interact with it like, a lot of the time. They're like, what the heck is this thing? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And they did find a weird thing with the opossums. They didn't run in the wheel, but they spun it. They like huh. grabbed it with their little paws and spun it back and forth like oh. a steering wheel kind of. Yay. Um, which is a behavior <laughs> that they've never observed before. And so oh. they were like, maybe we should take away running wheels and give them spinny things instead to play with. Did they go... <laughs> I don't know. There weren't videos of that one, but okay. maybe. Do animals feel safer when they live in urban environments? Maybe they like... Maybe. Mm. Yeah, maybe it's just like a little less stressful. They're not like, I'm don't like a little mouse in yeah. the jungle isn't gonna be like, hey, I'm gonna make a bunch of noise and move around in this wheel thing. Yeah. Like I'm mm. nervous. Or like I know where to find food because I can just go in that trash can and get a french fry or something. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. French fries. Yeah, trash french fries. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I'm gonna give mine to Sari. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I like the cute little animals. <laughs> Slugs yeah, on wheel, wheels. The wheels is good. Uh I'm gonna give it to Hank. All right. Yeah. Because I like the idea of like your brain just like thinking about exercise. Mm -hmm. This wasn't your thing, but I like the idea of like I could just imagine doing bicep curls and get gigantic arms. That's not that isn't the, <laughs> not that isn't the thing. It's definitely not the fact. <laughs> Though there was a separate study where they did MRIs of fMRI of people doing exercises and people thinking about exercises, and they saw that some of the same brain mm -hmm. regions were involved. So <sighs> it does does activate the same part of your brain. But that doesn't mean that your muscles are going to get bigger. And now it's time for Ask the Science Couch, where we ask listener questions to our couch of finely honed scientific minds. Sam, hit me with Grace's question. Grace Telesuski asks, what actually happens during stretching? Like, what's the physiological change leading to increased flexibility? Do the cells just get real long? <laughs> Usually not. I'm going to guess before Sarah tells me what she looked up on the internet. Yeah, because I also had a guess and I was wrong when I guessed. So I know that with bones, when you stress them, they uh, like new cells grow and they strengthen the bone. Like the bone gets more dense. It can even get bigger. Um, not like longer or anything, but, you know, there's more bone in the bone. So I'm thinking that when you stretch it, it creates like little gaps that then get filled in and you can actually have a ligament get either stretchier or just longer by the stretching mechanism. Oh, was okay. I Weird. anywhere close to right? That was an extremely interesting answer. It was very wrong. Okay, I'm <laughs> super wrong, everybody. That's why you got it. That's why, that's why scientists do research. Yeah. <laughs> so there's two factors that I can tell that have to do with range of motion and flexibility. One is your brain mm -hmm. and how your muscles sense how far they've stretched. Wow. So there are these receptors called muscle spindles that Ooh. are basically like the ouch sensors. Mm -hmm. So yeah, muscle spindles are sensory nerves that they are specifically detecting muscle stretch. And so when they feel a stretch, they send a signal to your brain that makes your muscle tense up a little bit more to protect itself. Mm -hmm. they're, they're what mm. keeps your muscles from tearing. And so if you stretch too far too fast, your muscle spindles are what is causing your brain to send a pain response because mm -hmm. pain isn't, huh. is is all in your brain. But mm -hmm. you can like hurt yourself by stretching too far or is it yeah. just like, I just got to push through the mental block? <laughs> you can hurt yourself by stretching too far and muscle spindles are aiming to pre prevent that. But if you stretch a little bit at a time over a lot of time, your muscle spindles will relax and not tell you to tense mm -hmm. up as much. Huh. So it basically switches off that panic 
hmm. factor of, ah, I need to tense yeah. up to protect myself because there's also a physiological change that happens that makes it easier for you to stretch more. And from what I can tell, it's not making your muscles longer, but it's making them more organized almost. Mm. So the way that muscles are structured, oh. there's the muscle fascia, which I think are... My understanding of the, the fascia is that yeah. it's like just the, the sausage casing for your muscle. Yes. Yeah, that's the one. Muscle fascia, sausage casing. There's that that's surrounding all the different muscle fibers and a lot of other fibrous connective tissue in between all that. And as you stretch your muscles gradually, more of the fibers, like the collagen fibers and the connective tissue, align up. So instead mm. of being disorganized, they line up along the oh. axis of the tension. So oh. it lets you stretch the muscle fibers and like they can slide past each other more easily and a little bit farther. That's, that is, this is answer is 0% what I expected. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. And all, but it also makes some sense because the, the, the place where I'm, places where I'm tightest, like when I stretch it out, the muscle is like big and hard. Mm -hmm. Whereas places where I feel like I'm relatively limber, the muscle doesn't like tense when I'm stretching. And I think that's the same thing with like scar tissue. So if you tear your muscle, then it mm. gets a little bit damaged and it's trying to stitch itself back together. Mm -hmm. And that just makes everything a little bit more disorganized. So you have to stretch it out to huh. mm -hmm. restore normal range of motion and things like that. I was going to ask if like the stretching in a certain way could it be negative because you're telling your body that it's okay to go farther than maybe you should be? Mm. Yeah, I okay. think it can. So you have your muscles and then you have tendons, which attach muscle to bone. And mm -hmm. then you have ligaments, which attach bone to bone. Mm -hmm. And tendons and ligaments aren't super stretchy, but as you stretch your muscles, they have stress on them too because they're helping uh. everything stay connected. Ligaments are like slightly stretchy, tendons not at all. Those, like your Achilles tendon, for example, are there things that can tear if you stretch too much. And right. so that's, I think, one of the more common injuries if you stretch too much is mm -hmm. stuff starts messing up with tendons and ligaments and oh. how your everything attaches to each other. Mm -hmm. I think it's less likely to just rip your muscle fibers right. mm -hmm. um, in any sort of significant way. Although yeah. that still happens too. Will you very quickly tell me why my cat doesn't have to work out and still can do stuff? I don't really know the answer to that. I think a lot of it is evolution and just bone structure and muscle structure mm -hmm. to begin with. Like you can do things that your cat can't. You can... <sighs> You have more endurance, so I think if you oh, had yeah, to true. walk for a very long distance, you could do that better than your cat. Yeah. And so your cat is just particularly good at jumping and falling oh, and things like that. Those and are so two things I wish I was good at. <laughs> and yet, here you are, stuck yeah. inside of Sam Schultz's body. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Grace, for your question. If you want to ask the science count, you could tweet your questions using the hashtag Ask SciShow. We are SciShow Tangents on Twitter. Thank you to Tamar Ziri and Justin Boot and everybody else who tweeted us your questions this week. Final Hank Buck scores. Sari has two. Mary, you're always pulling it out at the last Gotta second. Gotta do it. I have one. Sam has one. Stefan yeah. has two. We tied. So Caitlin has one and Elise has one because <laughs> well, I also yeah. gave those away to people. 
If you like this show and you want to help us out, it's really easy to do that. First, you can leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. It's very helpful and also helps us know what you like about the show so we can change things, add things, emphasize things, grow things, exercise things, and let other things atrophy. Second, you can tweet out your favorite moment from this episode because then we'll see it on Twitter and we'll go, ha, yeah, that was funny. And finally, if you want to show your love for SciShow Tangents, just tell people about us. Thanks for joining us. I've been Hank Green. I've been Sari Riley. I've been Stefan Chin. And I've been Sam Schultz. SciShow Tangents is a co-production with WNYC Studios. It's produced by all of us and Caitlin Hoffmeister. Our art is by Hiroko Matsushima. And our sound design is by Joseph Tunamedish. Our social media organizer is Victoria Bongiorno. And we couldn't make any of this without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you. And remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be lighted. But one more thing. In 2009, a Japanese astronaut named Koichi Wakata wore special underwear called J-Wear for a month straight on the ISS. It was designed to kill bacteria, stay dry during sweaty workouts, and be flame-resistant, anti-static, and most importantly, comfortable for your butt. (laughs) Are they really worried about their underwear catching on fire up there? They're... (laughs) I think they're mostly worried about bringing up too many clothes and having to wash them and deal with a lot of things. And so they're trying to invent clothes that they can just wear. Underwear you can wear for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I like this Bring those down. Can I get some? Let's look it up, Stefan. I I need some socks I can wear for a good long time. (laughs) Send us some. outfit. (laughs) I would never have to change clothes again, which I already barely do. So, (laughs) perfect.